Hello everybody and welcome to episode 63 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan! Episode number 63 Karan. Um, as you might have expected, there's like not too many people who born in the early number 63. Except for some random dude named Cody Clark who played for the Boston Celtics. Do you remember this guy at all? Do you just make that up? <laughs> that, that, that doesn't sound real. <laughs> that definitely sounds like one of those, you know, 2K, NBA 2K randomly generated player names. No. Uh, Cody Clark sounds like the alter ego of a bad superhero, you know? Yeah. Because like by day he's Cody Clark, by night he's Celtics Benchman or whatever. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. Um, also, uh, also the 1963 champions. I don't want to give this team any more um, airtime, but you might have guessed it, Boston Celtics. Uh, um, so yeah, um, hopefully this ep- episode is like a little more eventful than Cody Clark and 1963 Boston Celtics. Um, nothing, nothing major about like the Indian basketball scene. So we're gonna get just right into it, um, and obviously. What happened earlier today was um, the Game 7 between Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors and we've got Houston and um, eliminated, Boston eliminated, that sets us up for um, Episode 4 of of Golden State versus Cleveland and to discuss that with us, we've got possibly one of like India's earliest um, Cleveland Cavaliers fans, would you, would you say that Tejas? Uh, maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Tejas is on on air to discuss um, discuss the finals and like the playoffs and stuff like that. Tejas is a friend of mine from from Twitter. I think I don't think we met in real life before we met on Twitter, which is nah. Just, Twitter was the first, definitely. which is like a very uh, normal thing to say in 2018. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, real life is overrated. The real life is definitely <laughs> overrated. But we have met we have met in real life, and we did go and see. Um, uh, Amritpal Singh play in in uh, Melbourne. Uh, Tejas also lives in Melbourne like me. Um, he's been here for a while now. So um, Tejas is like a major NBA geek. Is that a good way to describe you, uh, Tejas? I'm okay. I, I think I've met some bigger geeks than me on Twitter, but uh, yeah, I would be on the higher side of average, I think. <laughs> right, that's good. Um, cool. So we're obviously here to talk about uh, NBA Finals, but maybe before that, um, be nice to hear both of your takes on what the the conference finals that just passed us was like. How did you feel about? Um, how, let, let's talk about maybe like Houston Golden State first because that's what just just happened. Um, so they just what, did you did you think going into today that Houston had a shot at all? Uh, they basically. Look, when Daryl Morey put his team together, one of the things he said was the way the team was set up was always high risk, high variance. Mm-hmm. So there was always the chance that they could pull it off, you know, by rattling off 10 three pointers in a row because that's how the team is designed, right? But uh, it needed something big like that. And the exact opposite happened today where they missed, <laughs> I think, something like 27 three pointers in a row or something. And it's a miracle they only lost by uh, 8 or 10 points or whatever the final score was. Given that they missed so many shots, yeah. Uh, Karan, um, what about you? Did you feel like in the middle of you know till second quarter, I thought they were playing really well, even though they weren't particularly making those crazy kind of shots. You think you think that you know that chippy sort of game seven sort of mentality that they brought to the table today um, possibly could have carried over. Um, but like, I, were you? Did you see the Golden State onslaught coming? 
Yeah, I think anyone who's seen this team over the last, uh, in sort of the the Steph Curry dominant era, whatever the last four or five years, mm-hmm. the, you expect the third quarter onslaught. It's not a surprise anymore, and it's sort of I, I actually look. For, it's one of the most exciting things in sport to me that you know, you you you're sort of disappointed by in the first half, and especially like watching it with the with the new person. I remember I had a friend over to watch the game who's who doesn't watch the Warriors that much. He just heard of them, mm-hmm. so to say. Uh, not a big basketball fan. And he was like very unimpressed by the first half, and <laughs> then the onslaught happened, and it's like, yeah, this is the Warriors' experience. You, they, if they are gonna lose anything, it'll it'll be because of it's if it's in their own fault. They get in their own way. They have too many turnovers. They, they get lazy. They start sort of like um, losing the identity a little bit. Like that's how they lost uh, games four and five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third quarter onslaught was not surprising, and as Teja said, the. The the Rockets they they missed thirty seven threes, which is just an absurd number to say out loud. <laughs> Can you believe that? Took so many. Th- uh, I I saw a stat today that uh, the the story of the game was Steph Curry shot seven of fifteen from three point line, mm-hmm. and the Rockets as a whole shot seven of forty four. Wow. And that is the difference. <laughs> that is like what really became the the reason that you know the Rockets are, are not in the finals right now. Of yeah. course, Chris Paul is also the reason the Rockets are in the finals right now. You know, I think it would have been an interesting last two games had he played. Um, yeah, he. It's it was a big loss for them. Do you still think they would have um, they would have lost if Chris Paul continued to play Tejas? Uh, I think they would have had a better shot, especially mm-hmm. with they got all out. So, and the other thing that would have happened is Paul would have taken over the game. In the last quarter, when all those threes were missing, there was some way of getting some offense going, and that would have been driven by Chris Paul because James Harden was tiring, the threes weren't going in, and I think they just missed that extra bit of firepower uh, with Paul. Uh, I think in the first half, uh, the first half I was really impressed with Clint Capella. He just dominated the Warriors yeah. inside. He was just he and Tucker were just picking up offensive rebounds all over the place, and then the bad shooting didn't even matter because they were just getting so many extra chances. I think the they either tired out or the Warriors got a little bit better at boxing them out, and that kind of made the difference in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, uh, definitely. I thought. Capella and, uh, and even you know the likes of um, Tucker and Ariza, they were like so impressive throughout this whole series. Genuinely, I I wouldn't have believed at the start of the series that if you told me this would go to seven with you know uh, Rockets leading three uh, two at at one point, it would have been really hard to believe just given the fact that everybody assumed that it would be Golden State dominating through the season again. Uh, how how impressed were you, Tejas, by um, Houston's? Overall effort, and do you feel like um, do you feel like we? It's it's not inevitable. At, at at some point in time, you felt like you know these guys were capable of upsetting Golden State. They definitely threw them out of the game. Yeah, I think at the end of Game Five, if Chris Paul was fit, you yeah. would still bet on the Rockets to go through. When he went down, it there was almost an air of inevitability about things because you knew Golden State would come back strong at home and win that game. And then when it came went to Game Seven, uh, Chris Paul, even if he was playing, he would be playing with a hamstring injury, slowing him down. Mm-hmm. So once Paul went down, it was really difficult. But the hope was that if Paul comes back and Iguodala still out, then they had a really good chance. But yeah, as you could see, it just fell apart in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. What about you, Karan? How impressed were you with Houston's effort? Like, what did you like most 
what did you find most surprising about the way they kind of approach this series against the warriors like really it's it wasn't that surprising to me this team won 65 games in the regular season mm-hmm. you know they are they, they were legit it wasn't uh, this wasn't a surprising team that was you know all of a sudden uh, on the verge of upsetting the the reigning champions you know like they they played better than them they had home court advantage you know they, they they had a system and they trusted it and they had the guy who's going to win the mvp this season so mm-hmm. it's not really that this was the toughest team the warriors have faced since they got durant yeah with apologies to last year's like caps in the finals <laughs> i think th- th- this team was going i think koshik you and i talked about this a month ago like th- this would have been the toughest challenge but even i was surprised that they went up they, um uh, uh i think they they sort of and they did it by defense was the most impressive thing to me you know like yeah they had the three pointers going in but guys like tucker ariza really stepped up and it's also the way I've, i mean i've said this before the warriors the way they play is they they are if they ever going to lose if they lose the next series we talk about the finals if it'll be if they beat themselves they always they, they get in their own way you know sometimes uh because if the warriors play to the potential if they play every minute of every game even with half the energy they play in the third quarters of the games mm-hmm. things will never be difficult for them yeah. so the nba would be uninteresting if the warriors is actually stuck to their script yeah I, i completely agree i think that the defense which they brought uh, was probably the most surprising aspect of things um, i thought at the start of the series that we we're going to have like this shootout between two teams of like really good offensive firepower and be like 120 each um, every game but that turned out to be completely you know the the opposite it was it was hard fought it was like gritty um, seriously impressive by the by the way that um, houston houston did um, you know took took this whole series to to the maximum extent that it, they could have um, we'll probably talk about what what's up next for houston and stuff like that a little bit later with the with a few juicy uh, potential potential moves but uh, let's quickly switch context to the east um tejas this is of course your team cleveland cavaliers um lebron is back in the finals for the like the 75000th time uh, from the <laughs> eastern conference <laughs> and did did you ever did you ever have a doubt that um that the boston celtics would probably win uh i think i had doubts at two nil down i thought they played really well in the first two games but then when cleveland came back to uh came back home and then beat the boston celtics so convincingly at home uh after that it was just okay they're going to both sides are going to win at home it's going to come down to a game 7 and i'm never ever betting against lebron in another game 7 <laughs> so so once it became two all there was just there was a bit of inevitability about it it was always going to come down to gf7 and lebron was going to beat them yeah yes especially when it was too old and that game 5 when lebron just looked like you know he was completely gassed he had he had such a like low effort sort of game uh, i i mm-hmm. almost felt like he was doing this on purpose just because you know game 7 looks better on his legacy than when he i <laughs> uh, can be cynical or he was that. just saving his energy for the next two games <laughs> that that's not fun that's not a fun theory <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um obviously he like he did uh, he did this i'm saying he because like it's really lebron and like four others um because kevin love didn't even play today so um there, there are four others okay i wasn't sure <laughs> sorry <laughs> but that was jeff 
game I've ever seen him play. Oh, by yeah. a country mile. Yeah. He it, was all over the place. When you signed Jeff Green, you you probably signed him for this like one game like this in the playoffs that that he's going to yep. show up. <laughs> and he chose, he chose a pretty good stage for that. Um, Alright, yeah. so on a, on a scale of... 2007 Cavaliers or like when when did you get in okay let's let's maybe like take it on a slight little tangent how on earth did you become a Cleveland Cavaliers fan so, uh Detroit game 5 <laughs> <laughs> the, oh. the that was the game where LeBron went on to uh, tear in the fourth quarter in overtime scored something like 27 in a row i think and 29 of the last 30 points mm-hmm. yeah that was that was an incredible game Yeah I I can't believe that that's like more than 10 years ago and this guy is still playing at yeah. uh, at this level it's a bit, it's he's, a bit he's, insane <laughs> he he might be better at least offensively he might be, he's not doing the defensive work that he yeah. used to be uh, be yeah. able to but his offensive uh, production is is probably yeah. at, at its highest level actually Yeah, yeah but the, on the defensive and the interesting thing in the Boston series especially is how he turned it on in specific moments you could clearly see then that he was coasting when he needed to but when he needed to turn it on he was ready yep. like the chase down blocks of terry rozier and there were just times when he was just switched on all of a sudden on certain plays where he knew he could get the ball so that was that was a really interesting thing to see because you could clearly see on certain plays both offense and defense how lebron was taking time out how he was using it so that was an interesting part of the whole series for me and and that um, that's going to be the i mean uh, just like one step ahead that's going to be a bit of a wake up call in the next round because he really hasn't had to defend a world class player <laughs> at yeah, all in playoffs so that's <laughs> yep. i mean uh, if if his biggest challenge was tatum and rozier and tatum is pretty you know impressive but the guys are rookie so um mm-hmm. yeah. so we'll see but yeah. tejas i wanted to ask you this i think koshik was going with this uh, earlier on Do you think this Cavs team uh, if you take LeBron out do you think this is the worst team than the 2007 team that made the finals what was the worst team to make the finals you can't choose the, the the in between years when you, know, <laughs> you had Dion Waiters and Anthony Bennett and like you know oh, no, no. Yeah, we're yeah, talking those, about the teams those, that made the finals just, we, yeah we, yeah Ooh, that i i think the 2007 team could defend at least i think there have been a lot of people who pointed that out uh yeah. the eric snow was a great perimeter defender they had guys in uh, on the inside as well ilkaskus was just uh, probably at least athletic prime before his injuries just got the better of him so there was some kind of defensive shape to that team yeah. <laughs> this team i have no idea how they held boston down to 79 points it was probably <laughs> more that Boston choked on the offensive end than anything they have got the lineup of Hale Smith uh LeBron Jeff Green and Tristan Thompson does have some defensive firepower in there but once you add when once Kevin Love comes back that's going to go back to being what it was so yeah i uh, it's it's very difficult to take a call between the two teams but i would say probably this team is worse off just because none of the role players other than maybe the starting five plus Tristan Thompson uh, other than those guys no one else is doing anything whereas the other team was at least defensively very strong all through the roster yeah that that's a great point i think we we kind of forget that that team uh, as much as they probably didn't have the firepower um in, especially in comparison to the spurs who they lost to they they were kind of like known for a bit of like gritty sort of defense 
which this team just clearly clearly doesn't um and at least in in last year right like cleveland had a really really good offense just overshadowed by um golden state but at least they could match up on that one and now uh like it's it's obviously not at the same level but you would expect that maybe like there's effort and there's some sort of defensive intensity there just there just isn't um yeah i was i was definitely going to ask you a question on those same lines um karan what did what did you think of this entire series how um how impressed were you with with boston and how impressed were you with with lebron uh like give, give us all like the superlatives that you thought of throughout this whole series <laughs> i mean like lebron what can we even say man like i i made the i, I i've talked about this earlier i made the possibly the worst take of all time in this year playoffs <laughs> when i bet on the raptors to beat the cavaliers of all teams like even even the celtics would have made a bit more sense now in hindsight but i just thought this was the year for toronto I was like this is it they're finally going to like like this is the worst um cavs team we've seen in you know at least in the lebron returning era yeah and that, uh, that takes like the, make, uh, make your uh, basketball credentials be revoked that's that's just terrible <laughs> hindsight no i think the problem i think i kind of thought that would be a closer series than it actually was but i think the problem is even the raptors didn't believe they could beat the cavs they're <laughs> afraid so of lebron he runs them they and you know the the the, the game one where um, the raptors lost in overtime and they missed uh, whatever four yeah that was the f- first game yeah yeah like uh, in in the very last like 10 seconds they missed like four easy buckets in a row under the basket yeah. that could have won them the game i think that was the killer like the moment they lost that it, they went back to thinking oh shit we can never beat this guy hmm. like so, something is against us like in the entire karmic way and the way lebron beats them too is he he like fucks with them to be honest like he's just going to you know he like okay I- i'm going to beat them with fade away jumpers in this game or or in this game i'm going to let them come back and hit this impossible game winning shot yeah was so, that was that game 2 when he was just like it felt like he was trying things to see whether he can do it or not that was game 2 yeah and he did it on the road so yeah i honestly the i i, I think overall the, the as much as the celtics impressed me i i just want to take a shot at the raptors that they unimpressed me in these playoffs mm-hmm. they should have been better than they were because the celtics showed the pathway of how to be better if you don't have that much talent they really played so well this boston team they they led by al horford who's a decent player but you know nowhere in the like he was the last pick in the all-star draft uh, <laughs> basically it was between him and lamarcus aldridge right um and uh, they were led by him and they were led by a bunch of really young guys and they took uh, cavaliers all the way i i give a lot of credit to this team they're going to be so good in the next few years yeah. um i'm excited to see uh, the jalen and jason duo just improve yeah absolutely uh, you, you won't you won't find me saying too many positive things about the celtics for obvious reasons but uh, <laughs> how how impressive is jason tatum my god he looks like he looks like a mini kobe out there to be honest um he'll be something new something special like he's the way the game has developed he'll yeah. be he'll be very special yeah uh speaking of kobe i i think i i, I want to uh, shout him out for like being um being the guy who who did this you know you you thought that maybe like his fans are crazy but he's a bit crazy himself um so one thing they just i wanted to talk to you about is like what 
what does this mean for like lebron's legacy and stuff like that but how how amazing and how, how funny was it that like kobe kind of inserted himself into the into the goat car <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was like hashtag my five or something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure kobe <laughs> like I, i i love kobe he's like massive fan but i, I think this is like this is a two horse race <laughs> um yeah. but I, the interesting thing there is through kobe Kobe's the latter half of his career it was always Kobe versus LeBron Kobe versus LeBron there were always the Kobe fans and the LeBron fans going at each other on the internet mm-hmm. and when Kobe started having his uh, injury troubles and started going downhill with age and stuff mm-hmm. it kind of magically just vanished and became LeBron versus uh Jordan so i think there's that element of a lack of closure on the discussion of Kobe <laughs> versus LeBron that all the Kobe fans are feeling and uh we just brought it back to life <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there was also like a while when they were supposed to kind of meet in the finals but somehow it never happened um well, yep. you blame dwight howard for that i will blame dwight <laughs> howard for for everything and everything in life he's he's just the worst um yeah uh, they just since we kind of teased this topic um do you feel like lebron's uh, deserves to be you know um there's a lot of people who feel very strongly about michael jordan let's just say that um i think mm-hmm. current's probably one of them as well um but do you feel like this is this is a discussion now or do you do you, do you think that you know as a lot of um jordan backers probably say that like he he doesn't have mm-hmm. the finals record for it uh but obviously lebron's got like the the counting stats and stuff like that that will probably eclipse mm-hmm. uh, jordan uh, it's it's a matter of like what you weigh like the eight, eight consecutive finals is amazing but it's also like a kind of weakish eastern conference so this this merit i think to both sides of the argument uh, I, i'd like to know what your uh, i'm assuming uh, slightly biased towards lebron argument is <laughs> <laughs> look i think personally i think for me lebron is number 1 but i say that knowing fully well that i grew up my whole wa- basketball watching experience exp- uh, is all it all started really with lebron I mean I'm closer to basketball before that but LeBron was the really first person and if you ask anyone who's grown up watching LeBron for them it'll probably be LeBron because they never really experienced what it was like when Jordan was at the peak of his powers and what he meant to basketball in general so I think th- that's the issue with comparing with generations in general you always have that nostalgia towards yeah a player who was really dominant at that time I always I always tend to think that sport improves as these continue to improve over generations they get stronger they get faster they get smarter about the way they play the game so mm-hmm. just by default logically speaking I would rate LeBron over Jordan but then you ask me 20 years from now and there's another great player dominating the scene who might be better than LeBron I would probably still tell you that LeBron's the best mm-hmm. I'd be the old guy <laughs> shaking his fist at whoever says otherwise so <laughs> I I think there's an element of that so I I I would even though LeBron is number 1 on my list I think it's fair to say that they're probably 1A 1B and maybe there is say a Bill Russell in there who's 1C or a, a Kareem who's 1D um, definitely very not Kobe to, <laughs> yeah, yeah I would yeah. definitely rate Kobe below those guys <laughs> Yeah sorry you were saying uh Uh, I really uh, 
I mean, just to comment, Tejas, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the guys like Kareem and Bill Russell and all, because the reason I don't like comment so much on the whole like, Jordan versus LeBron thing is because I I really don't like the recency bias of this. You know, I think everyone oh, everyone wants to make the next big headline, say the next big provocative thing, and we've been searching for the next Jordan since Jordan retired, right? Like it was gonna yeah. be Kobe, it was gonna be you know. And in many ways, uh, like uh, although we don't think of big men the same way, Duncan and Shaq could have been that guy too. Yeah. Um, and now it's LeBron, and and LeBron is clearly now like the best of this era. There's no question, and I I, I find it, I understand why uh, people who who started watching it, you know, post Jordan, uh, find it ridiculous to think that anyone could be better. Um, and what they just said about. Um, the, the sort of like the science of the game improving is also true. Mm-hmm. So I think like in a vacuum, LeBron is just a better uh, basketball sort of form. Like if you're making a 2K player, LeBron yeah. would probably be the player you would make. But I think like in terms of achievements, Jordan has still done so much. Like he's the way he uh, changed the game, the way he dominated the game where for there was no answer to him. Like, and this is the way I try to put it. You know the inevitability you feel about LeBron winning the East. Yeah, that's how people felt about Le- Jordan winning the championship. It was like Jordan's command of the entire NBA is is LeBron's command of the Eastern Conference, and to me that is pretty much uh, th- th- that's why Jordan still remains better. Uh, but but there are a lot more. Uh, the, the second place argument is a lot more people. It's not just LeBron. It's it's gonna be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's gonna be Bill Russell. In my book, Magic Johnson raised pretty high too. Um, Plus, LeBron isn't done yet. You know, like this is—he's—he's uh, he's gonna have a few more years of dominance to go. So, if he wins this year's championship, if he beats the, these Warriors, then 100%, it's an argument that we need to have. Because I think, uh, I think if he wins this this year, he's—he's he's getting it. He's the goat. Like, that's a very hot take. Oh, eh, eh, that is a hot if take. If he wins it, if he wins it this year, they should build temples for him and pray. <laughs> they yeah. should build temples to him in Cleveland, anyways. They should. There should be a statue of him outside right now. That like, that, that, that every morning, the, the George Hill and Kevin Love go and you know put some prasad on, because like, he's, <laughs> he's <laughs> uh, is that is that prasad like um, Jordan Clarkson shooting threes from far away or, or something? <laughs> How how infuriating is that day? Just like I was so glad that we kind of got rid of Jordan Clarkson, uh, just to see him in Look, the playoffs doing Clarkson that. Jordan Clarkson was basically an attempt to get another irrational confidence guy, just to try and buy six to eight points. Uh, if he had done that, that would have met expectations and would be fine. But he's just he's just disappeared now. Uh, but at least he's not Rodney Hood. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, and and. I agree with Tejas. It happened. Like every team needs to take that, you know, heat check. Like the Warriors got Nick Young, yeah. you know. So it's fine. Like you need a guy with potential. And Jordan Clarkson could still have a big moment in the finals. He's just got that kind of craziness in him. I'm not entirely sure about that. I've seen, I've seen, and uh, got infuriated with Jordan Clarkson for many a year. And that wasn't a crappy team. He's, he's definitely. I think he's getting <laughs> buried on the bench. Um, in the finals. So, all right, Tejas. Um, realistic expectations for the NBA finals. Uh, I think we're going to get swept. <laughs> I hope we don't get swept. That is the extent of my hopes for the series. <laughs> Maybe we steal one in Cleveland. Uh, but yeah, realistically, I don't see us even winning a game. Forget the series. Uh, wh- what about you, Karan? 
I think it will be four one like last year again. Uh, I know that this Cavs team is much weaker, but I also think these Warriors are a lot less ruthless. Like last year, they wanted to be have a perfect playoffs, and it took Cleveland having one of the great shooting games in history really to deny them that. Uh, this year, I think the Warriors are a lot more. You know, uh, again, I'll repeat what I said. Like they, they, they are they're hurting themselves a lot. So I think they'll get lazy. Like every series, they lost one game to the Spurs out of laziness. They lost one game to the Pelicans. The Rockets are obviously really good, uh, but I think they'll they'll drop a game to Cleveland just out of boredom almost. Uh, <laughs> That's and, and, possible, yeah. And not just that. Like I think like like uh, Le- LeBron's gonna have a very very good series, and he's gonna ensure that they don't get swept. So um, it's gonna be a bit of both. It's gonna be a bit of LeBron's sort of own you know uh, guile to carry them, mm-hmm. and uh, the Warriors' laziness. What do you think? Yeah, the other thing in there is that I'm sure. the warriors right now they'll be thinking that they done that they won the championship because the rockets are always going to be the toughest team on their path so now they could always be the hangover game where they're like oh, this is done anyway and they go and lose and then they kill the caps the next game purely out of fury so that's <laughs> that's where i'm <laughs> headed in terms so, of where i so, think so the caps can sneak a game i'll dis- i'll disagree with you on the warriors thinking that They've won because I think ever since the Warriors let a three-one lead go, they are never ever gonna be comfortable against. <laughs> like I, I think it's, it's like you can tell every time like Steph and these guys are asked about that, you can tell that it's on their mind. Like they, they, they are never gonna, uh, which is a good thing. Like I think we saw it in last year's finals that they were ruthless against LeBron. You know, uh, because they didn't want to give him even an inch. They've seen w- what he can do. So I actually think they'll be, they, at least in the beginning, the first two games, they'll they'll defend their home court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they will too. I think game three is probably where I'm hoping that we sneak one. Yeah, um, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. I think this is ending in like four or five. Um, I really like. I can't even imagine a way in which Cleveland plays, you know, to kind of perfection the way they kind of stretched in um, not not 2016, 2015, the first time they played. um those teams were kind of not matched well especially with love and kyrie getting injured uh, but it's still like there were a few close games i can't even imagine anything like that with with this team so um unfortunately i think that might have to be like the shortest preview of of a finals because we can <laughs> know everything about these two teams uh i think there'll be some interesting subplots i think because looking at the way capella played today Mm-hmm. I think if basically you get Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance in there, just pressurizing them on the boards and pushing them, mm-hmm. then you could have a couple of close uh, or a couple of f- phases in games where the game runs close, just because these guys are putting pressure on the boards. Uh, I think LeBron versus Durant will be interesting to watch uh, because I'm pretty sure that LeBron's not going to start off guarding Durant, but then if he is not, then who is? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a few interesting subplots in there but yeah i think overall it's going to be a disaster <laughs> um, i'm I, i'm curious to know what be the cap sort of uh, five that they settle win especially you know in those in like the, to end games mm-hmm. and and the question they just sort of put it this earlier is is going to be the kevin love question like he is the one he, he brings the offense but he's a huge minus on defense you know he um, I, like he, it, 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 it was a big loss for them to lose him to the concussion but if you look at the plus minus numbers they do very well without him they actually do uh, exceptionally well when he's on the bench 
I think they'll the- be fine against the Warriors though. I think uh, Love, whatever he loses on defense, he's going to make up with re- on rebounding because based on the evidence of today, nobody can rebound in that Warriors team because the, yeah. and they yeah. have this <laughs> flying set of like six or seven centers who all are equally bad. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's where so Love and Thompson together could really kill them on the boards, and that will make interesting viewing. Yeah. Do you think they would play together? Like, do you think they would like? What will be the Cavs sort of? It, 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 the Warriors, we know who they're running with. If, especially if, if Iguodala yeah. is healthy, Iguodala will probably he might miss game one at at the most, but he'll probably be back after that. If Iguodala is healthy, we know they're doing like what they call the Hamptons Five. What will be the the Cavaliers version of the Hamptons Five? For me, I think they'll have to go the opposite. I think they'll have to go big. So they'll probably. It'll be something, some version of uh, one of either Cover, Smith or Hill at one position, and then the other four would be Jeff Green, uh, LeBron, Love, and Thompson or Nance. A dirty it up like Timofey Moskov and, um, and 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 Co. Is yeah, it? where they're just giving up on uh, because I think Jeff Green, LeBron, uh, between them can pretty much cover the perimeter, and Thompson is pretty good at switching on to guards and stuff like that. So I think that lineup will have the best chance because they will kill uh, the Warriors on the boards and on the inside. And uh, but yeah, I I I I would imagine that the starting lineup would be uh, probably Hill, uh, Smith, LeBron, uh, Thompson, and Love. I think that will be what they start with. But I'm interested to see if they trot out this big size lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, all depending. It's an interest. Sorry, question. Now, it'll all depend on you know whether like whose whose matchup comes on the court or not. that that I think has to be like the greatest oh quote, absolutely <laughs> greatest quote from um, Tai Lu over these over these playoffs about why Corver didn't play the other day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh man, um, that uh, can't be the real reason. Man. That was <laughs> that was bizarre. <laughs> absolutely. Um, all right. So obviously we spoke about how that's like smallest NBA Finals preview. The the real reason why we've convened together for this podcast is to kind of give our hot takes about what do you think LeBron's next destination is. I know we've not finished the finals yet. I know like there's a there's a fair bit of time to go before we think about this. But like it's never too early to discuss this stuff, right? Um, all right let's let's start with you, Karan. Like what is what is your what is your like um, hunch slash um, sources whatever if you've got any. Um, who who come up with these crazy theories themselves? Th- those can be sources too. Um, what what do you think is going to happen uh, with the my sources are so? my sources are my friends who talk to me after two beers. Yeah. So <laughs> and and they tell me that LeBron is definitely leaving. So I could, <laughs> I, I could just say that according to my sources and it, it you know it maybe it'll have some effect. Yeah. It sounds legit. Sure. Um, I, I it, it's. I, I feel weird about it because I, I, I don't know where he'll go though. You know, mm-hmm. like if he is he gonna if he goes to the, honestly, if I'm Philadelphia, I think like that was a big rush for a while. Yeah. I don't know why the 76ers want to bring him in. Like I know he's the be- the better player obviously than anyone they have, but it's just gonna hurt their development a lot. Um, and then you have, uh, like I, I I like the idea of him. Oh, sorry, I, I like the theory of behind him that him going to the Lakers because he wants to go in LA and sort of like live a chill life and his family is there and just, you know, he wants to sort of add to that, like that team sort of stellar legacy. But then LeBron going to the West when he's basically, like every year LeBron has a 50-50 shot of winning a championship just because 
of the paths he takes. So him choosing to go to West, unless it's Houston, which is uh, could be a very explosive move. Um, I don't know. Uh, if I have to bet my money on it, I would say Lakers. Uh, and but he doesn't go alone. Like he brings along Paul George with him or something. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tejas? Obviously, you want him to stay. I t- I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, look, I, I am. I, I think there's a probably a twenty percent chance he stays. Only, only because it depends on so many other things as well. I think uh, it depends on the whole Kawhi Leonard situation in San Antonio. It depends on what Paul George decides to do if he wants to give Westbrook another year of his life. Uh, Paul George has decided. He's he's he, not giving Bill Book. He gone. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> he's gone. So, <laughs> yeah. So there are a whole bunch of dominoes I think that have to fall before LeBron makes his own decision. Uh I think uh Philadelphia Lakers are probably good options but I uh, there is a caveat there. I think with Philadelphia it I don't see how he fits with Ben Simmons. Which could mean that if uh, LeBron does go there, I don't see LeBron actually going there unless there's another star on the way. Which could be, say, uh, uh, if they trade for Kawhi or something like that happens. Uh, Lakers again, it needs basically both Kawhi and Paul George to show up there for LeBron to even be interested. I think I don't think he's going to be interested in joining Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and trying to create a team with those guys. It'll have they'll have to be another big star or two involved. Are you saying With he doesn't want to? Are you saying he doesn't want to spend spend his career being shouted at by Lavar Ball? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Are you saying he's not going to enjoy that? That's hey, maybe I, uh, maybe he'll drop his Nike thing and and start wearing big baller brand shoes. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it, it's gone very quiet since he's gone to Lithuania. <laughs> <laughs> I think hopefully Leangelo and Lamelo stay there for a while, so that keeps him away. <laughs> The second kid's actually like working out for um, for Lakers and Golden State and something like that. Uh, I sincerely oh, hope that like he doesn't get drafted. I like, nothing against the kid, but we can't have more than one ball in the league. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just too much. Uh, I think yeah, for the Cavs, I think it's going to depend on the draft. I think uh, uh, if Michael Porter says falls to number eight, he's going to be someone who'll have huge value in trades. uh it depends on who falls to that number 8 spot basically uh and anyway the cavs cannot trade their draft pick until the draft is done so i think that's going to be an interesting uh spanner in lebron's decision as well i think he'll look at how much value that has and what trade value they can get out of it once the draft is done mm-hmm. uh assuming he has in made his decision by then so i think that's the only real chance of the cavs retaining anybody uh but yeah i think from the cavs point of view i think that's the situation but in case in the case of any other team it's going to depend on one his family uh, deciding where they want to live and so on and it's also going to decide on which stars lebron can rally to join him at that destination yeah um yeah i completely agree with you guys i i think that i, I would also give cleveland like a 20% chance because there isn't like an obvious clear path out out there but having said that in 2010 Miami wasn't obvious either um, before he made that decision so, um, a- anything could happen the only the difference is there's no team like Miami out there that has that kind of cap space every every other situation based even well, the lakers there, there have to be yeah yeah even with the lakers though he's not he's he will need two other stars to join him right and they only yeah. have cap space for two maximum contracts so there still has to be a trade or something to clear cap space either 
yeah. getting rid of Ingram and uh, uh, cheating someone into taking Lou Alden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there has to be some <laughs> kind of combination of those moves. So it's still not obvious that there's someone out there with cap space, especially considering that we know that LeBron is no longer going to take discounts on his yeah. uh, pay package. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, my sneaky theory here is that like he kind of gets Chris Paul to join him wherever it is, like whether it's Houston, whether it's Cleveland, whether it's somewhere else. I feel like they've got a they've got a friendship that has kind of been untapped into. Uh, playing together and I, I kind of don't see um, uh, an astute analytics oriented GM like Dal Morey giving Chris Paul like a 30 something million dollar contract that will take him to age 36 or 37 um, so do, do you guys feel like that that might be in play Karan? I um, I, I see uh, LeBron joining Houston I mean I, I'm not saying I see it I, I, I like I think that's more plausible to me than, mm-hmm. than Chris Paul like I think Chris Paul, if he knows that LeBron is is gonna potentially consider Houston, he will take a pay cut to 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 bring him on. I think Chris Paul is so desperate for that the next level to win the championship. Yeah. Um. And 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 they know these things. Like obviously, when Chris Paul got traded from the Clippers, he knew that the offer was gonna be on the table for him. Yeah. So um, I I, I think that's a possibility. I find it less likely that they would go to a, together to a new situation unless they unless they do like the complete banana boat reunion. Yeah. Although we saw how that turned out when like they bought Dwayne Wade back to Cleveland, and it just <laughs> didn't uh, like he's so I think he's off the boat. Carmelo Anthony I, is barely a basketball player anymore. So um, <laughs> LeBron about, needs new people on his boat basically. What about Hoodie it's Mello? Gonna... <laughs> how did Hoodie Mello just die? Because they don't allow hoodies when you play basketball. That's I, that is the answer, Koshik. Come on. <laughs> if you, I think I think hoodie mellow is basically the second coming of Linsanity. <laughs> There's like this magical two-week period where anything was possible, and then it all came back to reality. Actually, we uh, that's one thing we forgot in the whole quote uh, debate. We're worrying about Jordan and uh, LeBron. I think it's it's Jordan, hoodie mellow, and then LeBron, and then we can start talking. About <laughs> Oh, excellent. Yeah, I saw this tweet the other day about how, um, you know, how Kyle Cover and Carmelo Anthony were from the same draft and, like, it's kind of unimaginable that in 2018, Kyle Cover is a more serviceable player than, than Melo. I like Melo. Um, I, I don't, I don't that's, like that's that. Sort of I don't think that's true, though. I don't think that's true, though, because, I mean, I think Cover, really like, you expect him... The problem is the difference in expectation, right? You expect yeah. Cover to score eight points. You don't expect Melo to score eight points. You want him to score 12, 13. So I think it's a function of expectation as well. Yeah, expectation. If you expect it like, as much from, mm-hmm. if you expect it as much from Melo as you do from Cover, you'd probably yeah be a little happier with Melo. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's also like situational as well. So there's a few things that come into play. All right, cool. Um, that that should. Probably Ashik, do you have any? Uh, End of uh, like. Do you have any? Uh, um, well, so first, I just want to say this. Uh, we've been doing hoop Darshan now for about four years, I think, three and a half years. Yeah. This is sixty-three episodes, and the entire hoop Darshan era, the only finalists have been Warriors and Cavaliers. <laughs> so anyone who was, anyone who started watching, who started following basketball solely because of us, first of all, why would you do that? <laughs> and, and second of all, you must think that this is just what happens in basketball. It's the same two teams meet every year, uh, and 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 one of them is gonna like you know sort of wrestle with the way to a title. Um, Koshi, do you have a prediction on Finals MVP? Like, who would be the guy? Uh, I, I think it's Curry this time. I, I feel like this is this is his team, and he's gonna he's gonna go all out. 
Um, he doesn't have to deal with the same kind of thing playing against Kyrie that he did last year. Um, and I, I feel like Durant kind of took took some shine away last year. And um, until until Steph got injured, it felt like he was really having one of those epic seasons. Um, and but when he's got it going, he kind of like the the whole team runs through that engine. So uh, my pick would be Steph Curry. What what about you, Karan? I hundred percent agree. I think Steph is uh, like Durant. I think in a vacuum is a better player, but Steph is sort of the engine that keeps this team going. Yeah. And if you just look at the pure like analytics, advanced stats, like his his uh, plus minus and his influence of just being on the floor, even if he's not scoring, yeah, is far superior to anyone who's you know like most players in the playoffs really. Yeah. Um. So I think he deserves. It's kind of ridiculous he didn't win the 2015 Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they gave it to Iguodala for basically defending LeBron. It was more of like, <laughs> like the bichara. You have to suffer so much. Here's an award for you. So, uh, but I think uh, I think it'll be great this year. Uh, Tejas, what side what side do you go on? I think there are two answers. It depends on the question. Uh, who will win it or who should win it? You, I'm glad you mentioned 2015 because I think LeBron should have won that Finals MVP. If we're really seriously talking about the best player in the series, because. Without him, the series wouldn't have even been close. And Iguodala, like you said, got MVP for basically slowing down LeBron from instead of scoring 50 points, he was scoring 40. <laughs> so uh, I, I think once again, I think if the question was who should be the MVP, I think we'll find that LeBron does incredible things and probably is the best player on the court at all times. But I think who will win it will probably be between Curry and Durant, whoever has the bigger games. That's that is a that is a good summary of the entire situation. Um, with that, I think we come to the end of episode sixty-three of Hoop Darshan. Tejas, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's always nice. Not at all. It's not always nice to speak to uh, Cleveland Cavaliers fans. We don't have too many of those. Uh, good to get your perspective about <laughs> uh, about that. And there are a lot of LeBron fans. There's no shortage of that. But there are. You know, there are. In, in Tejas's defense, he not many of them. Hated LeBron yeah, and stuck to stuck Cleveland. With the Cavs. So yeah, yeah not many like, of them would have stuck with the Cavs when it was Kyrie Irving and Dion Waiters waving his hands around, and we drafted <laughs> Anthony Barrett. God, those yeah. were some really bad times. That's real fanhood, you know. A, a lot, a lot of players <laughs> couldn't even name the starting five in the Kyrie Irving, Dion Waiters, the, in the Dion Waiters era, so to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, There was a period so, of so, time where Anderson Varejo was our best player, so <laughs> I've seen some really dark times. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Um, right, Tejas, thanks again. Um, and as always, guys, if you want to reach out to us, um, Karan is at Hopistani on Twitter. I'm at underscore Kashik seven. Tejas is at Jazz underscore CV. Is that right? Yep, that's yeah. me. If you want to give him a follow, um, you, you'll get a lot of uh, NBA opinions. You'll get a lot of cricket opinions, um, and maybe the odd. Um, odd thing about um, football as well. Um, yeah, the podcast is at Hope Darshan. Um, we are available on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, and a bunch of other places. We'll be like LeBron on the court um, in in the NBA Finals. Uh, uh, thanks again. Um, thanks, Karan. And until next time, hashtag #NBA Basketball. <laughs>